grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, wouldn't mind just reading along uh, with me out loud. Uh, we're going to just, just going to read through these verses this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. The word came flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. It's an amazing grace, isn't it? Think about it in these terms, right? God, who made the heavens and the earth. God, who named each star and knows them by name, knows your name. He absolutely knows your name. He also knows where you were last night and what you were doing. And he also knows the night before and the day before that and the week before that. You see, there is no place that you can go where God hasn't seen or heard what you have been doing. This is what it means that God is omniscient, all-knowing. He is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. There is no place to hide. What was your favorite hiding place when you uh, uh, heard these words um, uh, you know, and I'm just going to use a name, it's kind of foreign to me uh, for a while, but I'll just go ahead and use myself as an example. I didn't really hear this growing up very much. David! What are you doing and where are you? Now, if, if, you, if you maybe somewhat heard something along those lines, I mean, my mom claims, okay, that when it went quiet, she knew to yell those two for David! What are you doing? And where are you? You see, with God, he doesn't yell that out. It's not like he's fooled. It's not like he doesn't understand. It's like it doesn't uh, mean that he doesn't know where you're at. See, that's, that's what's kind of unnerving. There's no place to hide. There's no place you can go. There's no aloneness. There's no coffee shop on the outskirts of town, Right? There's no store you can go and hide in. There's no closet. There's no place you can hide. See, in the midst of your sin, God goes, I see it, I know it, and you can't get away from me. Now, my guess is, for many of us, that's a little disconcerting. Because there's no one, no one here today that's perfect. There's no one here today that is sinless. There's no one here today who, who wouldn't be embarrassed standing in front of God. Right? When you were watching the video, you see those sins go into that pile, right? I know many of you kind of latched on to some of those words, and you go, yep, that's, that's mine. And some of the braver of you admitted so is that one, and that one, and that one, and that one, and that one. What, did they just have a camera in my household this week? Do they, 
is this, am I, is my picture going to show up at the end? How many of you kind of thought that for a little bit? What? It was, wasn't it? There's a little bit going, how do they know? It was an overwhelming pile, wasn't it? You saw that image? It's a big pile of sin. It's a big pile of brokenness. It's a big pile of what used to be. It's a big pile of refuge and things that are destroyed because of the sin in my life. You do realize that, right? That the only commonality between all of your broken relationships is you. That the only commonality between all of the dysfunctional people in your life is you. And we like to blame all the dysfunction and all the other things on everybody else and all the, all the sin that they enacted upon us. But in reality, our sin is our problem and my fault. And the pile I don't know where you grew up, but in Oklahoma and Arkansas, where my wife and I are from, we have burn piles out in the back, okay? There, there are places that you take your trash and you, you dump it back in the corner. And, and if you're lucky, you've got some trees that are kind of grown up around it. And every once in a while, you, you put the trash back there and you don't get to burn in it, but you put it back there and you go, oh, see, look at our land. It's so nice and pretty. And until winter comes. And then the trees, the, the leaves all fall and then you look and you can see the trash. I know some of you in your past. I, I know some of the stories. And I know that it can be extremely overwhelming if our life is measured by the pile of That's why in this sermon series, we're going to look at how incredible God's grace is. Because that's the picture. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. That picture of a pile of trash is all of us. And some of us, it's exposed. Some of us, our sin is known. Our pile of trash is out there for everybody to know. But others of you, you are just thanking God that Facebook and Twitter were not around when you were younger. <laughs> that there were no cameras on the corners as you sped through town or on anybody else's cell phone with video. There are many of you today going, thank you God, I grew up when I did. This is why grace is so amazing. This is why that we cannot pass by understanding that his grace is an incredible amount of grace. And we're not talking just the right amount of grace. We're talking about more than enough grace. We're talking about an abundance of grace. This is why in verse 16, for those of you that are following along, from the fullness of his grace, we have received one blessing after another. It's not that Jesus died once and for all. He did, and my sin is paid, and yes, that's great. But do you understand that his grace comes day after 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 day for you? 
That's what is so amazing about grace, is that that pile, right? That pile grows and grows sometimes, and it doesn't get burnt up, and we, and we, we falter because of the weight and the shame of it, the stain of it. And yet his grace really wants to be abundant. It really does want to wipe it out. He wants to burn the trash. He does. So why do we not let him? Why do we hold on to the trash? Why do we hold on to the sin? Well, I think first of all, the reason we don't live in the fullness of his grace is because Well, not everyone knows all my sin. So we live in shame and fear. We live with hidden sin that's not confessed to anyone, and we just kind of fly under the radar, and we let certain people know about some sin in our life, but not others. And let me tell you something, friend. The longer you keep that sin under wraps, the longer you say, I'll just deal with it on my own, the longer you try to just endure it and fight it all on your own, the longer it will be until you live in God's grace. I don't mean that you're not forgiven. You are. But you're not living in it. You're not actually taking God's grace and being able to be renewed, transformed, Now, another reason. Some of you say, well, I I know the scripture verse where where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more, right? And so some of us had figured out, well, then I'm going to make sure God stays in business. So I'm going to keep sinning. I don't have to really get rid of it because if I get rid of it, well, then what else will he have to forgive? (laughs) That's very prideful of you. Thank you, God says. And you're missing the point. You're missing the point. You, You see... Where sin abounds, it's referring to people that are weighed down by their sin. Where sin abounds, Paul's reminding us, hey, those of you who are oppressed by your sin, who have a past you don't want to discuss, you don't want to talk about, you're afraid if your spouse even knew they'd leave you, kind of sin. That's gotta come out in order for you to live in his grace. So this morning I'd like you to practice a little bit. I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and I'd like you to have a competition. Okay? So I'd like you to listen to one. You just pick which person goes first. And that, that person that's going to go first, you're going to drum up the, the worst sin you can think about that you have committed. Okay? And then the person, and then you're going to go. Oh, you think that's bad? And then it's your turn. Then you're going to you're going to one up it, okay? So I don't care where you start. I mean, you you can start with you know I stole a piece of candy when I was two years old. If you think that's the worst thing you've ever done, then just go ahead. Now I want you. So I want you to just compete. If you'll just go ahead and just do that right now, okay? Just go ahead. Turn to the person next to you and compete with how bad a sinner you are. Just go ahead. Just yeah, we're family here. Yeah, this is all good. Some of you are still hoping that I'm not serious.
Okay, so you've had, you've had one go at this. Just go ahead and raise your hand if you believe you won. You are the bigger sinner over the other person. Just go ahead. You're the winner. Just go ahead and keep your hands raised, actually. If you just kind of keep that raised, that's awesome. These are the winners, okay? You are the worst sinners here. And you know what? Listen to me. God forgives you. He forgives you. He loves you. He is not mad at you. He forgives you. I want you to turn to the person next to you. Okay, Go ahead and get a different person because now you've kind of revealed too much to one person. So let's go ahead and pick another person on the other side of you if you don't mind. I'd like you to pick the biggest sin you're aware of in somebody's life. They can be a public figure, right? They can be a politician. They can be famous. Whatever. I want you to pick the biggest sin you've ever heard of somebody committing, all right? You've got to have a name to it. You can't just say, well, my neighbor wants it. No, I mean, you've got to have a name, all right? Turn to the person next to you and see if you can one-up each other on the, the biggest sin you've ever heard of. Go ahead. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. See how much easier it is to talk about other people's sin? You just went on and on and on. I mean, I got to rein this sucker in. Share my sin. Well, I once lied. Yeah. yeah. Well, did you hear about what's going on in the federal government for crying out loud this week? And you know the whole ins and outs. But for your sin, it's just, well, once I, you know. My neighbor's car and wanted it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Those people you just talked about, God forgives. Those people you just talked about, God loves them. Those people you just talked about. Grace is for them too. I want you to understand how big this thing is. This thing, this thing is bigger than what we can ever imagine. It is grace upon grace. It's abundance of beyond abundance. It's way bigger. And we don't choose to live in it always because I think we're scared of it. What if, what if truly I'm forgiven? You know what that means? Then I got to leave it behind. And how many of you have a pet sin that honestly, today, you're not ready to leave behind? I've got one. I think when you get there, when you get to that point, now you're going to start to understand what it means to confess your sin, to lay it out in front, and to have God go, yes, that one, 
that's the one I want, the one you're holding on to right now. I want to grace that one. I want to put grace upon grace on that one. And you go, God, not, not that one. That one feels good, smells good, tastes good. It, 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 it consumes me good. And he goes, I want that one. Because that one's keeping you from living in the fullness of his grace. Right here, verse verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And that light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. How many of you find it very obtrusive that God wants to... Uh, you to confess your deepest, darkest sins. How many of you that kind of offends you just a little bit? No one? It offends me. Absolutely. God, you got a lot of other things to be worried about. You don't need to be worried about me. I'm a pastor for crying out loud. I know how to confess sin. All right. I got, and when I'm ready, I'll confess my sin. But you need to go over to those really hard-hearted people. Okay? Stiff-necked people. You know the people that never come to church? Those people. You need to get them, God. You need to leave me alone. It offends me. But I know only then and only when I go, you're right, God, you're right, I need to be here. You mean that's too prideful too? You mean, okay, God, how about my head's bowed? No? You mean here? And it's there that I think he goes, yes. Laying flat on your face, at the mercy of God, literally standing at the foot of the cross, laying prostrate in front of him. We've got nothing left. No bones. Where where literally the light shines in the darkness of your life and he goes, live now. You've confessed it. Now let's get over and let's live in grace. But we have this tendency to believe that he, what he's doing is just looking for the next thing that's wrong. And God isn't. He's not looking for the next thing that's wrong. He's looking for the next thing that's right. Right for you, right for your spouse, right for your kids, right for your people in your Bible study group, right for your neighbors. He wants to catch you doing the right stuff. But we live under that age-old view that all God's job is is to look down and see what you're doing wrong. The burglar late at night had been scoping out this house He goes into the house, it's pitch black, he doesn't have his flashlight on uh, with him that night. He's rifling through drawers, all of a sudden he hears a voice, Jesus is watching! Yeah. He's rifling through the drawers a little bit more, and he keeps on going a little bit more, and again, he hears the same voice, Jesus is watching! He's getting a little bit nervous, okay, because he went to church when he was a kid, and he kind of knows what that means. He's starting to feel guilty a little bit. All of a sudden, he hears it one more, Jesus is watching! And he's like, that's it, i got to figure out what the heck is going on. He flips the light on in the bedroom, and there's a parrot, okay, sitting over in the corner. And right below the parrot's cage is a Doberman pincher. And the parrot says, Jesus, sick him! (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, the problem, the problem with believing that God's just interested in catching you sinning is that it's debilitating. Because you're not sin-free enough, you'll never be. And the day you finally realize he wants you to live in the fullness of his grace. That fullness that, that has been before. And you receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing. That's when we live. And that's when grace is incredibly amazing. And that's when it gives life. That's when it gives second chances. And how many of you need a second chance? This week shopping a little bit, getting ready to uh, go on vacation, and, and uh, I was looking at my wedding ring, and it was white gold. I, I like kind of silver looking things, so white gold was, you know, the closest thing to, to silver for a wedding ring, and, and, and I was looking, and it was dingy. It, it kind of worn down, and I look at it, it's all the nicks and stuff in it. So kids and I were at a jewelry store, I walked in, I said, hey, I, I, want, I want a new wedding ring. And the lady looked at me, and she's like, are you still married? I was like, yeah, the same person. It's all good. I just want a new ring. Something shiny and different. So I did. I got, a, I got a new wedding ring. She's like, well, sir, we don't have your size. And I said, well, it's only half size smaller. Let me see if I can get it on. Because I want it today. I can still get it on. All right. And the point is, for me, I want to live kind of in that new I'd talked to my wife beforehand. She knew that I was looking for a new wedding ring. And she's like, hey, if you want a new wedding ring, that's all good. It's all nice and shiny. And it's not the dingy and it's not the beat up. And you know what? That's, that's a picture for me of living in the fullness of God's grace. Old things made brand new. That's what it means for you to live in the fullness of what God has in store for you, is that no longer does the past define you. No longer can you allow your sin to beat you down, but to live in the fullness of God's grace is to say, I get a second chance. I get to be remade, and I get to be made brand new. And you're going to have detractors in your life as soon as you start doing this. You're going to have people that are going to go, no, 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 I remember when. And when they confront you on that, here's a simple conversation that you have. You grab them by the hand, you say, dear friend, you are exactly right. I did that thing, and I'm sorry. And I need to know if by the grace of God you can find it in your heart to forgive me. And if you can't, that's okay. But it's now on you. And I'm going to live in the fullness of the grace of God that he has given to me. Forgive me, and if you can't, know I'm going to choose to live in the grace of God that he has given me. Let me have you practice it. Forgive me, and if you can't, know that I'm going to live in the grace that God has given me. Simple. And you just let it go. You just let it go. You see, to live in the fullness means to live in the light. 
And to live in the light means that your sin is exposed. And when your sin is exposed, it's not that there is a weakness that is, that is disempowering. There is a weakness that says, when I am weak, then Jesus Christ is finally strong. You understand that? To live in the fullness of the gospel means that, that my sin doesn't define me. The weakness doesn't define me. The fact that I'm subservient at the foot of the cross, that defines me. This is why Paul can say in Scripture, I am the chief of sinners. But where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Friends, May that abundant grace be yours today.